the Fed is an economic detriment to everybody except the one percent. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back. Once again, to the good old LOLP, the Lions of Liberty podcast, episode number 70. We're finally getting into our golden years here. Before I get to today's guest, I want to take a second to let you know about Health Excellence Select, an amazing alternative to Obamacare, which utilizes health sharing to cover your medical costs. Your fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not to some massive crony insurance company. To learn more, head to lionsofliberty.com health. My guest today is the founder and executive director of Salidas Center, the only nonprofit focused exclusively on limiting the power of the Federal Reserve. Seth Mason, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, Seth. And now I've been excited to talk to you about this for a while since I saw you founded the Salidas Center a few months ago. Before we get into that, though, I'm just curious, how did you first get interested in libertarian ideas overall? Well, I I found that I've been a libertarian all of my life. I just couldn't articulate what I was previously. I considered myself a liberal growing up because I was socially liberal, but I was also fiscally conservative, and I didn't understand how the paradigm of social liberalism and fiscal conservatism could work together. So uh, around 2000, I heard of a guy named Ron Paul, And uh, through following him, I started to understand exactly what I was. And I've been a proud libertarian since 2000. We almost have the exact same stories. I mean, I grew up in a conservative household, and I guess I sort of generically supported Republicans and that kind of thing. But I always kind of felt pulled by the social end of things, the drug thing. I didn't really think drugs should necessarily be illegal didn't really support all the wars, so I was kind of torn in that same way, where it was like, well, I sort of believe this one way, but it doesn't really fit in, so where am I? And it was around that same time, around the year 2000, a friend of mine who used to work as a page, he didn't work for Ron Paul, he worked for another congressman, but he had met Ron Paul a few times in Congress, and he told me about this guy, hey, you gotta check out this guy's column, Texas Straight Talk, He's, he really makes a lot of sense, and that's that's kind of what started the ball rolling for me, I think. Similarly, I didn't really see myself as a libertarian, I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew that I had certain beliefs, and they didn't necessarily fit in. Now, how did you become really enthralled? Obviously, Dr. Paul, this is one of his biggest issues, the Federal Reserve, but what really pulled you? Why did you really feel so intrigued by this issue of the Federal Reserve System? Well, through personal experiences, and uh, let, let me set a little framework. My experiences with the Fed date back to the late 1990s, when the Fed began its bubble burst economic paradigm. And let, let me explain briefly what the paradigm is. I uh, frequently mentioned the bubble burst paradigm through Salida Center. I did the same on my blog and uh, radio show at Kamino's. Essentially, over the last 15 plus years, we've gone through these cycles of asset bubbles that grow tremendously and then burst. And in the 1990s, Alan Greenspan started the modern Fed's tradition of pumping massive amounts of liquidity and crushing down interest rates to historic lows to stimulate the economy in the wake of recessions. And this action has led to cycles of these tremendous 
unsustainable asset bubbles. They burst and they crashed the economy. This happened in the late 1990s with the tech bubble. The, the tech bubble grew and burst and created the early 2000s recession. It happened again with the uh, mid-2000s housing bubble that burst and led to the Great Recession and the years of subsequent economic malaise, malaise that we're just now emerging from seven years later. And this time, the Fed has been promoting multiple asset bubbles in stocks, commodities, real estate, and even student loans. And just like with the previous recoveries under Greenspan and Bernanke, much of the recovery we've seen this time has been a result of the Fed's promotion of asset bubbles. I had the misfortune of graduating undergrad during the post-tech bubble recession of 01, and I graduated grad school during the post-housing bubble financial crisis of 2008. So I've had horrible luck with timing graduation. And on both occasions, I graduated into a horrible job market. The second time, I graduated into the worst job market since the Great Depression. The first time, you know, I couldn't find a job after undergrad, but I was able to take advantage of the Fed's crushing down interest rates. I convinced my mom to refinance her mortgage and lend me the difference, uh, which I used to start a Spanish-language newspaper. And I did very well with the paper, and the story would have had a happy ending had it not been for the Fed's housing bubble. The collapse of the housing bubble uh, led to an immediate collapse of my advertising base and readership that forced me to sell the paper. And I thought that I'd be able to weather the economic storm in grad school, but I had no idea that when I graduated, the storm was just getting started. I graduated right at the collapse of Lehman. And I went through years of severe underemployment after 2008. And uh, during that period of time, I did a lot of research to find out, you know, why things were the way they were. You know, th this is supposed to be the United States, the land of opportunity. But I found that uh, the Federal Reserve had a lot to do with what had been going on. Uh, you know, through all the studies that I read, all the articles I read, all of the uh, interviews I listened to, I kept getting led back to the Fed. And I learned that uh, the, the Fed isn't solely responsible for the bubble burst economic paradigm that we've been in, but a lot of the blame is on the Fed. The, the Fed has definitely been the ultimate enabler. Wow, so you've been more than really just an interested bystander who's kind of intrigued by Fed policy and that kind of thing. You're really a victim of the Fed. You've been the victim of every single kind of crash, you know, like you mentioned that with your timing of graduating and that kind of thing. And then the crash that led to the loss of your newspaper business, which was successful otherwise. And we have no reason to believe wouldn't continue to be if it wasn't for these ups and downs in the economy and, and your research that really brought you to realize that the Fed is the perpetrator of all this. So it's really interesting because, um, you know, of all my guests that have talked about this issue with the Fed, you're the only one that has really almost a, a personal issue, I guess. You might even say it's, it's gotten kind of personal with you in the Fed, would you say? Yeah, I, I, I definitely have skin in the game. So what prompted you, obviously, the, the last 15 years is what has built up to this, but what specifically prompted you to take this action and to found Salida Center? Well, you know, the 
period of underemployment that I went through this time was, was so much more severe than that of graduating undergrad. And of course, I did a lot of, of research to find out why things are the way they are. And I got tired of seeing people blame everyone but the Fed. Again and again, uh, you know, I, I read uh, all kinds of articles, you know, about the crash of the economy. And again and again, I saw and I still see Democrats blaming Republicans, Republicans blaming Democrats, people blaming corporate America. I see all of this blame to go around except for blame of the Federal Reserve. And it's true that uh, Democrats and Republicans and corporate America have contributed to the bubble burst economic paradigm, but no party has contributed more than the Fed. And our mission at Salida Center is to educate people about the perils of economic interventionism on the part of the Fed so that they will go to Congress and demand change. Oh, what about the name Salida Center? What does that actually mean? Because I like to think I'm a smart guy, but I, I honestly, at first look, I don't know what that specifically means. So how, where did the title come from? The Salidas was a gold coin circulated throughout the Roman Empire during some of its most prosperous times. Prior to the Salidas, the uh, Roman Empire had a coin called the Arius, and it was fiat currency. It wasn't based on anything. And uh, just like the Federal Reserve has been manipulating the dollar, Rome's central bank uh, heavily debased the Arius. So Rome went through a long period of economic malaise, just like the United States has since the late 90s. And eventually, the central bank, Rome's central bank, introduced the Salidas. And just like the name Salidas represents, Rome went through a time of economic stability and strength when the Salidas was the primary currency that Rome did not experience when the Arius was its primary currency. Very cool. And tell us a little bit about this board of directors you put together. It's, it's pretty impressive. You got a few past Lines of Liberty podcast guests on there, Walter Block, Dr. Mark Thornton, a couple of great guys. Now, so how did you go about putting this board of directors together? And you know, why don't you just run through it a bit and tell us what each of these guys brings to the table? Sure. Through my blogging, hosting of the radio show, Akamano's, I got to know a number of figures in the liberty movement, many of them through Mises. And when I founded Salidas, I sent invitations to the people that I knew. Immediately, Walter and Mark accepted my invitation. I had uh, both of them on uh, my radio show, A Commonos Radio, and both of them are passionate about liberty, not just in tangible terms, but also they're strong critics of the Federal Reserve in particular. Both of them have the uncanny ability to uh, write using language that is, uh, can be understood by the common man. And that's one thing about Salida Center that differentiates us from other organizations. A lot of think tanks are merely academics that speak to other academics, and they, they preach to the choir. They don't really do anything. But here at Salida Center, we're trying to speak directly to the American public using language that they understand. And both Walter and Mark have the great ability to put all of these terms into easily understood language and convey their ideas so that everybody can understand them. 
And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to speak directly with people through uh, editorials and newspapers and articles and uh, periodicals and, and online uh, news sites. You know, we're trying to convey our ideas through radio interviews and podcasts such as this one. And both Walter and Mark and, and the, the board in general have this great ability to, to speak with the common man and articulate what we're trying to do. Sorry. Seth, I want to get a little bit more into how, just in the specifics of how the Federal Reserve causes financial distress for millions of Americans and really affects the common man out there. I mean, we've heard your story about how you were kind of a victim of the ups and downs of the economy, but you know, how is the average guy on the street so affected by this that maybe doesn't really realize it? I mean, maybe somebody that's had a steady job for the last 10, 15 years, and they say, well, maybe it sucks for this Seth Mason guy, but you know, it hasn't really affected me. So how does the Federal Reserve affect people's finances in ways that you know, they may not even understand on the surface? Well, the distress comes in the form of economic displacement. Uh, when the Fed's asset bubbles burst, the following years of economic malaise yield long-term unemployment and underemployment, a rash of foreclosures, the shuttering of businesses, and all of the social ills that come with that. And it's funny that, you know, with this bubble burst economic paradigm, some people have done great. The people on the top end of the economic spectrum have done great because they profit not only when the asset bubbles are being inflated, but also when the economy is going down. They have the luxury of being able to short stocks. But for everybody else, we risk economic displacement, which comes in many forms. And the median salary in the United States adjusted for inflation has been going down consistently since the Fed began its bubble burst economic paradigm in the late 90s. And the thing is, you know, a lot of the pain is felt in the highly localized areas. The people who become unemployed, you know, their world gets turned upside down. But for a lot of people, including government employees, you know, these have been boom times. And one thing that the Fed does is it leads or enables deficit spending. And the federal government has uh, expanded greatly. I've got a buddy here in Charleston who works for the federal government, and you know it, it's it's been um, golden years for him. But for a lot of people who get displaced from their jobs, displaced from their homes, this is absolutely an economic depression. Yeah, I mean, and even at a, at a base level, just the way that the value of the dollar has been debased over the years. I mean. I'm making a good amount more money than I was five or six years ago. My career has been progressing really well. But at the end of the day, I don't really feel like I have much more spending money. You know, I feel like I'm just working more and doing better. And maybe my paycheck looks higher, but I'm spending so much more now. A lot of that is I live in a slightly bigger house. I have dogs to feed now and that kind of thing. But it seems very obvious that prices are going up. My grocery bills are higher than ever. My electricity is higher than ever. So, I mean, how does the Federal Reserve, just through the very basic concept of inflation, push all these prices up? And even in times when you would think, when the economy is tough for so many people, that prices would have to drop. Well, the Fed claims that it's been able to print $4 trillion and not have that money leak out into the economy at large. But in fact, it has. And uh, food inflation has been rampant. And it's very problematic because, you know, you have to eat. As human beings, we have to eat every day. And uh, some of the, the worst inflation that we've seen over the last several years has been in 
food and energy. And these are two things that you cannot live without. And of course, you have the asset price bubbles, you know, which are felt by the consumer as well. You know, commodities have been going through the roof, the cost of copper and coffee and, you know, these things that, that uh, consumers consume on a daily basis. So the idea that the Fed has been able to keep its target rate of inflation of 2% is, is ridiculous. When you print $4 trillion, some of it is going to leak out into the economy at large, and that's exactly what has happened. Now, Seth, let's get a little bit more into you know, exactly how can we fight the Federal Reserve. Obviously, there are many interests from the government to uh, big banks and that kind of thing that you know want this system to stay in place. So what are some realistic ways that Salita Center sees of actually going out and making some reforms of the Fed? What are some actionable methods that you know we might be able to see in the future of, of restraining the power of the Fed? Well, just to go on the record, I do support the complete abolition of the Fed, but I'm also a pragmatist. And I agree with Milton Friedman that the Fed is so entrenched in Wall Street and the federal government depends on the Fed so much for deficit spending that there is a very small probability that the Fed will ever be ended. I hope the day will come that the American people will wake up and demand that the Fed be abolished altogether, but I don't expect that day to come. So we at Salida Center are working hard to limit the Fed's ability to manipulate the monetary system. And we're doing that by educating people and, and teaching them how economic interventionism is detriment to the economy. And we aim to create public pressure that the Fed will cease monkeying with the economy. And we plan to do that by educating people to the point where Preventing the Fed from monkeying with the economy becomes a platform in national elections. When the Fed becomes a word that is mentioned in presidential debates, we know we've done our job. Yeah, and I'm certainly hoping they will be in the coming debates. And starting next year, we'll start seeing them. And I know that prior to 2008, when that that crazy Ron Paul character started bringing it up. I had heard the words Federal Reserve, but I had never really heard it discussed, heard it talked about what it had done, other than through Ron Paul, of course, but I had never heard it in the mainstream media in any way. So I mean, he was the first one to really bring it up and get in there. Do you see any other candidates on the horizon that you think will be bringing this issue more into the national spotlight? Are there any guys in Congress now that are, are bringing up bills or, or anything like that that could limit the Fed? Or how do you see that coming forward in the, in the mainstream political debate? Well, the, the 2016 elections are going to be exciting because two major presidential candidates, Republican Rand Paul and Democrat Elizabeth Warren, both support a bill to audit the Fed. The audit the Fed bill passed the House last session and will head to the Senate next year. So it's possible that by the 2016 elections, both the House and Senate will have passed an audit the Fed bill. Then it's just a matter of the president signing it. And you've got major presidential candidates on both the Republican and Democrat side that would sign the bill. So it's, it's very exciting. Uh, it's possible that we'll have an audit the Fed bill on the books by 2017. And uh, right now, there are a, a growing number of uh, politicians that uh, support limiting the Fed. You've got the aforementioned uh, Rand Paul and Elizabeth Warren. You've got uh, Paul Brown of Georgia. You've got uh, Justin Amish 
of Michigan. You've got Bernie Sanders. The Fed is definitely slowly becoming part of the public debate. And we at Salida Center are, are doing our part to contribute. Oh, that's really impressive that the Fed seems to be coming at least support for at least looking into it further with an audit or with other methods to limit the Fed is really becoming, it's not really just a Republican issue, uh, which is normally what we would consider you know, any kind of fiscal restraint type discussions to be associated with. But, you know, some of the names you mentioned there, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, no one's going to confuse her with a conservative. Bernie Sanders outright calls himself a socialist, I believe. So it's it's really impressive. I mean, wh- why do you think that even people from the progressive and from the, the left side of things that normally don't seem to really care about government spending and that kind of thing, why do you think this issue kind of pulls at them? I- I'm always interested in, in some of the reasons why, you know, people from other side of the quote-unquote aisle, which, you know, you and I know is, is pretty much a bogus way to look at things, but it is the way the current system is set up. You know, why do you think that the issue of the Fed is really beginning to tug at people from that left side? The Fed is an economic detriment to everybody except the 1%. Well, there you go. There's your hook. I've said for a long time, if people really knew how complicit the Fed is in the economic malaise we've experienced over the last 15 years, there would be people with pitchforks in front of the Federal Reserve Building in, in Washington. People on both sides of the aisle are, are starting to understand that the, the Fed is a, a, a major inhibitor of the economic prosperity of the United States, and that uh, a lot of people have been hurt by the Fed, and there is a growing sentiment of people wanting to reform the Fed. So uh, th- this, it's, this is great. Uh, you know, this is a, a bipartisan issue. It's an issue that is valid regardless of ideology. This is something that we as an American people can come together and fight for. And one of the beauties of Salida Center is that, you know, you know a lot of nonprofits, you know, their, their uh, target audiences are, are, you know, libertarians or they're conservatives or they're liberals. But we at Salida Center have a pool of just Americans in general that, you know, that the Federal Reserve is a detriment to all of us. And we can come together, regardless of our party affiliation, regardless of our ideology, and fight these people for and fight for what is right. And, you know, we we at Salida Center feel very strongly about this. And we believe that if people really knew what's going on, they would be as passionate about our cause as we are. Let's talk about this audit a little more for a minute. I know you mentioned that's supported by some pretty big players on both sides of the aisle. Rand Paul, Elizabeth Warren. Now, what do you think that if if an actual audit could get through Congress and actually make it through the Senate, which has been the big roadblock so far, you know, what do you think an audit would reveal? I mean, what is the purpose of that audit? Would it would it show people, you know, what's some things that have been really going on that might, I guess, maybe shock them into taking further action on the Fed? Or how would you see that playing out if, if we actually got a legitimate audit? Well, I hate to sound cynical, but I believe that if there were an audit bill on the books, the Fed would have time to do some um, creative bookkeeping, we'll we'll say. So I don't necessarily uh, believe that that an audit would necessarily demonstrate how detrimental the Fed has been to the economy and how the Fed has coddled big banks to the extent that they have. I think a lot of that information would be hidden. But one thing the audit would do is put the words Federal Reserve in front of the average American. You know, CBS News, the mainstream media would be forced to demonstrate that there is a a movement 
to counter the Fed, they would have no choice but to report that news. And the words Federal Reserve would become a household words. So it's not necessarily what the audit would reveal that's so enticing about the audit. The Fed bill is it's just the fact that the Fed would become part of the public discourse. And the first step to rational change is to amass a, a critical mass of energy against the Fed. Right. And even if they can kind of do some tricky bookkeeping and that kind of thing, I mean, even the act of hiding information might become a little obvious in that process. And, you know, maybe just the fact that they're hiding certain things could actually point out like, well, hey, what are these guys hiding? What are they trying to hide here? So it would remind people that, uh, you know, we know that the Federal Reserve bought $14 trillion in toxic assets from the big banks. We know that. And the the audit would not reveal, would not necessarily reveal any additional information about that. But it would, you know, that those $14 trillion would would be in the books and would be reported on. That's the thing, you know. uh, CBS News would report one day that the Fed or or that uh, the audit revealed uh, the $14 trillion purchase of toxic uh, 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 loans from the bank. And, uh, you know, it would remind people, wow, the, the Federal Reserve blew $14 trillion on, on these bad investments made by the bank. They were bailed out to the, the tune of $14 trillion. Now, people in the know already know that. But, uh, you know, the, the average American might not. But when CBS starts reporting things like that, the average American starts to learn, starts to pick up on the fact that hmm, maybe this Federal Reserve Organization uh, isn't the best thing for the health of the economy. You know, may, maybe I should start paying attention to that that issue. So, uh, you know, getting the information in front of the people, which is exactly what we do at Salida Center, but, uh, you know, getting the information out in terms of action, political action is important as well. All right. I mean, step one in, in creating any kind of political change on a mass scale is to just, A, demonstrate to people that there is something to care about here, that there is a reason to be concerned. And I, I think it's it's a very long process, and I'm sure you realize that. And at Salida Center, you're very dedicated to the big picture of things, which is one thing I really like about what you're doing there, and, and, and focusing on reaching the people themselves and seeing the way they look at the Federal Reserve, the way they look at maybe money in general. Seth, I've got just a few more questions, but first, I want to take a minute to tell my listeners about our sponsor, My Academy of Health Excellence, and their amazing product, Health Excellence Select. Now, until last year, I was just like you guys. I saw my health insurance cost double, and my deductibles skyrocket thanks to the Obamacare health insurance mandates. Determined not to participate in this corporatist scheme, I sought an alternative and found out about health sharing, a fantastic concept in which your monthly fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not into the pockets of some crony capitalist fat cat. Health Excellence Select combines health sharing with a patient care personal assistant, 24-7 phone access to board-certified physicians, and discounts on dental, vision, and other benefits. The best part is that for most people, plans with Health Excellence Select are much more affordable than Obamacare insurance, and it meets the legal mandate, so you will not be fined for using it in lieu of insurance. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. 
With a special forward by Ron Paul. It has easy to understand questions and answers. Buy Set Money Free on Amazon.com. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. Now, we discussed how, you know, you don't picture the Fed ending anytime soon, if, if ever. So, you know, what about someone that's really has become like you and has totally understood the problems with the Federal Reserve, wants to see it abolished, supports all those actions politically, but as we know, Congress is, is always the last person, the last people to act on this kind of stuff. So, in the meantime, what are some ways that people can take steps to just protect themselves against the machinations of the Federal Reserve, against the ups and downs, against the inflation? Well, uh, one thing is to become a, uh, an anti-Fed evangelist, and they can do that by gathering information, educating themselves, so their stance on the Federal Reserve becomes like an elevator speech. They can articulate in 15 seconds or less you know, why the Federal Reserve is bad for the economy and why the economy would be better off without the Federal Reserve. So uh, I definitely encourage people to visit Salidas.Center, our organization's website, read the articles that we've posted, watch the videos that we've posted, read the blog posts. We're constantly aggregating and adding material. Educate yourself by reading uh, books as well. The Great Deformation by former Reagan budget director David Stockman is an excellent account of how crony capitalists and the revolving Wall Street Federal Reserve door have created a central bank, the Fed, that manipulates the economy for their benefit at the detriment of everyone else. So you, you read things like this and you, you really focus on, you know, your elevator speech and then you, uh, you know, bug your friends about it and become a, an evangelist for the cause. I mean, one thing about Apple computer, I, I've been converted into an Apple computer guy and one of the reasons why I was converted was by just working with people who are so passionate about Apple products. And they, you know, through their enthusiasm, uh, got me on board in doing the same thing. And again, what we're talking about is something beneficial to everyone except for the, you know, the 1%. But, you know, for 99% of the population, limiting the Fed would work in their benefit. And, uh, you know, just being able to articulate that to the common man is so important. But, you know, the organic growth is, is where it's at, you know, uh, educating yourself and becoming active. And, you know, eventually we'll reach a critical mass where people will start demanding the representatives to reform the Fed. That's that's how it's going to happen. It's happening already slowly, as, as, I, as I was mentioning earlier. Uh, you know, we have two major presidential candidates that support auditing the Fed. And, you know, we have members of Congress that, that support the bill. You know, we're slowly, incrementally growing support. And um, again, when the day comes when CBS News starts reporting on the Fed and, you know, some of the outrageous things that it does, you know, then the reforming the Fed, limiting the Fed becomes part of the public discourse. That's when we've done our job. That's when real change can start to take place. 
And Seth, and I'm glad you mentioned just becoming kind of an evangelist and being enthusiastic. I mean, because as you pointed out with the Apple computer example, I mean, this applies to anything, not necessarily even a political stance we take, but anything we're excited about in life. If we become personally an evangelist for something, an enthusiast for something, and we are constantly out there talking about it, I mean, people notice, your your social circle will notice, the people you interact with, the people you work with will notice, and at some point, these conversations kind of come up, and a lot of times you don't realize the people that you're affecting when you're out there with all this stuff. I think there's a lot of sort of silent observers out there that we don't always register, and I hope there's a lot of them out there listening now because, you know, once in a while I'll get someone that I didn't even know was remotely paying attention to anything that we're doing at the website that'll pop in and say, hey, I really like what you're doing. You're really, um, you know, making me see things in a different way. And it's, it's little stuff like that that makes you say, okay, well, that's why I'm doing this. So we'll pop forward here. And, you know, it's the same thing with anything. And the same thing certainly applies with the issue of the Federal Reserve and making people more aware of it because before people realize that there's a reason to be upset and the reason is they're getting screwed they're getting robbed money and their wealth is literally being stolen from them and transferred to this elite class the connected class the crony class and before they realize that well yeah no one's going to really be enthusiastic or care about this issue of the federal reserve but when they start seeing things in a different way and when they start seeing it for what it is which is really theft right out of their pocket you know, that's when action will start changing. And I'm so glad that's why we have this great organization that you've started, Salida Center, out there focused specifically on this task. Now, Seth, I know you mentioned how you don't really believe abolishing the Fed is realistic in the short term as much as you do support that stance. But let's just play a game real quick. Look into our crystal ball where the best things that could possibly happen work out. And, you know, let's assume we do succeed and Salida Center and other people like you are able to get people to really be against the Federal Reserve System and, and demand its abolition. Now, how do you actually see that playing out in reality? I mean, would the Fed just go away overnight or do you think that they would just have to sort of legalize legal currencies and let competition sort things out? Because, I mean, the Fed is a private company. I mean, I guess in a way, it's sort of a quasi-private company, I guess. There's a, there's a possibility they could just still be allowed to exist, even if the sort of legal monopolies were taken away. Uh, I don't think they'd last very long without them. But, I mean, how do you really see that playing out if the public did come to a point where they supported abolishing the Federal Reserve System? Well, unless we went through a period of real hyperinflation, I mean, you know, a thousand percent inflation like the Weimar Republic, we're always going to have the dollar as the standard currency in the United States. We might not have paper dollars, but the credit, so to speak, in every transaction will be based in dollars. I don't see that changing. Um, I like the idea of Bitcoin. I like the idea of uh, decentralized currency. I just don't see, at least in our lifetimes, any currency displacing the dollar unless there is a a terrible economic collapse. And I don't even want to think about that. Uh, and, And, you know, it it's happened before in history, you know, the, the Roman Empire did fall. Uh, but I, I would like to think that um, things will be stable enough so we could at least keep the currency that we have. Uh, Milton Friedman advocated an algorithm that would replace the Federal Reserve that would increase the money supply and normalize interest rates depending on certain factors. That's similar to what Bitcoin does. Bitcoin grows at a steady level depending on a number of factors. So uh, the the replacement of the Federal Reserve would just be a natural growth of currency. So in in that respect, the dollar would be decentralized. Just like with uh, Bitcoin, the currency would grow at a certain level 
and there wouldn't be a, a central organization pushing buttons and pulling levers. Well, Seth, I'm so glad that you've started this organization, Salida Center, because I know it's an issue that you've been passionate about for a long time. I've, I've followed your work on Economos and with your radio show, and I know this is a subject that you've really been the most passionate about, the economic side of things, especially you know the way you have been personally affected by the ebbs and flows created by the Fed. So you know, I'm really glad you've been able to channel your energy into this project because, like I mentioned, you know, if you're personally enthusiastic about something and you're personally invested in it, that's how you're really going to pick up more people and get others to feel the same way. So yeah, I congratulate you on starting this great organization, and I wish you the best of luck. Now, before I let you go, why don't you just give everyone out there the full run-through of all the ways they can contact you, contact Salida Center, and better get involved with this organization? Sure. Again, we're all about connecting with people directly. So I definitely invite everybody to uh, contact me. My email address is seth at salidas.center. The website is salidas.center. .center is the extension. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com front slash salidascenter. You can find us on Twitter at salidascenter. And make sure to visit the site often. I, I'm constantly updating it with uh, both proprietary and third-party content. I'm currently, we are currently looking for additional board members and fellows. I've got a uh, new guy coming on as a fellow, but uh, I, it would be nice if we had a, a number of fellows to bring uh, different perspectives and uh, write for different audience segments. If you're interested in a board position or fellowship, please contact me. Again, my Email address is seth at salidas.center, and uh, make sure to check up with us often. Seth Mason, best of luck, because you are truly focusing on a worthy cause, and that is ultimately ending the Fed, which we certainly support here at Lines of Liberty. Seth Mason, take care. All right, thank you. We'll be back after a little break. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar. That's right. Every Monday to Friday, we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my interview there with Seth Mason of the Salidas Center. Be sure to go check out his website, Salidas.center. This organization is just getting off the ground, and you know there's so much great work that it can do. And, and just like my last guest last Thursday, Dan Johnson, Seth Mason is a great young man who saw a problem in the world, found a specific issue that he was passionate about, that he felt he was personally affected by, and has put his effort into creating the Salidas Center, the first nonprofit charitable organization dedicated to taking on the Federal Reserve System. Now, guys, there are lots of reasons that the Federal Reserve is bad. You know, from business cycles, the ups and downs in the economy, helping the rich get richer. But ultimately, the core problem with the Federal Reserve, the base problem, 
is the authoritarianism behind it. The fact that we are forced, coerced, into using the Fed's fiat money. We have to pay our taxes with it. We're barred from creating competing currencies. And we're generally just forced into the system where, yeah, they get to do whatever they want. They can lower interest rates, raise interest rates, give loans out, create more money, expand the money supply, do whatever they want, effects be damned, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, until we change the ideas of the people. And that's what Seth Mason's trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. You have to change the attitudes of people out there. If people think we should have a system where we can dictate what people must use as money at the point of a gun, oh, that's the kind of system we're going to get. And all the unintended and maybe intended by some people consequences that come with that. The Federal Reserve is just one example of authoritarianism in our economy. You want to be a doctor? Well, you got to go to this specific school's and get these specific degrees approved by the AMA, by these specific monopoly organizations. It's the same concept. We can see it throughout. We can see it all over our economy. And again, it goes back to that base principle, the fact that people don't have a concept of individual rights. People will give all sorts of utilitarian arguments of why we, quote-unquote, need the Federal Reserve, and never even think to touch on the issue of rights. Should individuals be forced into a system to which they do not consent? Obviously, I feel the answer is no. (laughs) But many people don't feel that way, or else I wouldn't need to do this show. I wouldn't need to have our website, lionsofliberty.com. Please come and check in with us (laughs) now and again. Got a lot of great stuff going on there. But the point is, we need to change ideas. We need to change the way people think about things and the way people think about our interactions with each other. That's the only way things are going to change. It's the only way the Fed's going to change. It's the only way our cartelized medical industry is going to change. It's the only way our tax system's going to change. It's the only way our foreign policy is going to change. Are you getting the point here? I can keep going on, guys. We have to focus on the principles and the ideas. Now, if you guys want to learn more about the Federal Reserve, I've done a couple other shows on it that you might want to check out. Episode 21. I interviewed G. Edward Griffin, the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island. It's one of my favorite interviews. He was just such an excellent speaker, such a knowledgeable guy, and I highly recommend checking that interview out, as well as my interview with Chris Rossini back in episode 44, and his book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. It's not just a book. He's also got a catchy theme song, too, produced by our wonderful editor, John Darbert. So be sure to check that out as well. Chris Rossini, Set Money Free. You can get his book on Amazon. And we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes, which you can, of course, find at lionsliberty.com. Come back here. Every single Tuesday and Thursday, you'll find a new episode of the Lions of Liberty podcast. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Stitcher Radio. You can get it all over the place. You can get it at lionsliberty.com at our website every single Tuesday and Thursday. And we hope to have you back. And in just two days, I'll be talking to a guy I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some time. A lot of my listeners are going to be familiar with this guy. He's been very outspoken about the U.S. economy, about the way people view the U.S. economy. He also speaks out about the Federal Reserve a lot, so we're kind of continuing that trend as well. I'll be speaking with Peter Schiff in just two days, this Thursday. And until then, folks, live long and live free.
Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. Set Money Free. With a special forward by Ron Paul. Set Money Free. It has easy to understand questions and answers. Set Set money free on Amazon.com. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. Set Money Free.